Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. All right, we're going to get to it. As I said, meat and potatoes. This is a meat message. If you read it in Hebrews, uh, the author of Hebrews writes, you know, sometimes I wish I could get, give you some meat, but we're, we're, we're caught up in trivial stuff. We're caught up in, in, the, in the basics, like the basics that whom Jesus has set free is free indeed. Once you have asked Jesus into your life and into your heart, you do not earn salvation. Salvation has come upon you. You are born again. You're working from love, not for love. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a basic that's a, that's a gateway. That's the starting point. And then there, there's a journey. That's why the Bible calls it born again. It's fine and cute and adorable for a six-month-old to be in a diaper. It's not as cute when you're 22. It just, <laughs> it's, just, it's, not, it's not the same, right? It's not the same. And so God uh, wants to grow you. He's very interested in your growth. You say, are you sure about that? Yes, I am. And by the end of this message, I hope you will be too. Um, I, we are in our That'll Preach series. So your homework is go watch the movie Blindside. Such a good movie. Speaking of football, but such a good movie. Uh, I'm not going to show the clip for time's sake because I feel such an importance on this message. So this is a message. If you got your notepad, have it out. This is a thoughtful message. If I was being honest, this message is, is a mix of some really, really deep Bible, Bible, Bible study, also toppled with years of finessing this thing. Come on. And where this, uh, well, not where it spurred from, it's been on my heart for a while, but I was just reminded this week, and I want to tell you guys a story leading into this. Um, you know, I was the young adult pastor at Awakened Church years ago. And so I still got young adults that I had discipled and poured into. And particularly, I had a few that I really, really invested in because their heart posture was so right. And one of them, a gentleman I was talking to, uh, I just got really emotional because when he came in, he literally got saved. His friend lied to him and said, hey, you should come to Warp Tour with me. And he took him to our church conference. So he thought he was going and he's like, this is a weird venue for Warp Tour. And it took about three worships on the road. This is a warp tour. <laughs> Literally, this is a, I'm not making this up. He thought he was going to warp tour. He came to our church conference, got saved, and then we were doing the internship. Two weeks later, he walked in from the first time to his internship. By the way, he got saved. He was a drug dealer before. Wow. So he gets saved and he shows up. And I love this kid. He was so on fire for Jesus, but no. I mean, it was like my first like pastoral conversation was, hey, you just can't yell the F-bomb in the church office. So I'm going to need you to not <laughs> yell that really loud. Let's try not to use it, but please don't yell it at the top of your lungs. <laughs> not lying. And, but this kid, but, and I don't take full credit. I'm going to talk about this in a minute. His posture was so hungry, and this young adult was so hungry that he was just, uh, he 
We, did, we went through discipleship, and it was, it was a wild ride, but I was talking to him today, maybe eight years later, he's married to a beautiful Christian woman. They own a business, and when I was talking to him, he was in Europe on a vacation because their business is going to clear good, good six figures this year, and God has just blessed him, and he loves Jesus, and he serves in the church, and I was like, God, I was really, I was, I was a wreck. I was like, God, thank you. Thank you. That's a, that's a life change, but that's not just one life change. That's a family change. Future kids are changed. Who knows? And then, and then he's discipling people, so who's going to change that? And uh, this message today that I want to release, I believe it's important uh, because I honestly believe God wants to do a move in this city and a move in your life. But you do have a part to play. In fact, Jesus, went at, the end of, at the end of his ministry on earth, gave what's called the Great Commission. Yeah. The Great Commission. And the Great Commission was not, hey, go out there and get people to raise their hand at the end of service and pray a prayer. Hey, go out there and, uh, and uh, you know, be the most epic singer on stage. Go out there. And here was the Great Commission. If you guys could go to that for me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Discipleship. Disciples. That, that is the end goal. The end goal for God's church. That's our part to play. And I'll tell you, you will never be satisfied completely in your Christian walk if you have not stepped through the journey of discipleship, being discipled and discipling others. You're missing a key ingredient. People will cry out, you know, God, we want revival. Fill this house. Drop your glory. We have a part to play. And I believe God's shared with me that if we'll choose to be a church that does our part, says we are going to be a disciple-making church, we are going to disciple people well, then he can trust to bring the harvest because it says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And it can't just be me. It can't just be our connect group leaders. It has to be a whole church that stops sitting on the sideline and just waiting like a baby. Give me a bottle. Give me a bottle. I'm thirsty. I've been all week. I haven't read my Bible. I'm so thirsty. Can you encourage me? Like, if you're coming in here beat up, that's not a judgment. But I'm telling you, if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a while, and you feel stale and stagnant, discipleship is the key. Now, if you're a new Christian, maybe you've been a Christian for six months, and you're like, man, I just... I, I love God, but I don't know what's, I feel like there should be more. It's probably because you haven't stepped into being discipled. There's a flow. There's a process. And I'm going to break that down today. So I want you guys to take notes and recognize uh, this was the Great Commission. This was our part to play. This one's not on God. Isn't that crazy? Don't get me wrong. Jesus, your Bible, prayer, all those things are part of the process. Part, but he called the church the bride of Christ. Yeah. 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 Every healthy home has the voice of a papa and a mama. Right, right. We're supposed to partner with Jesus. Of course, Jesus is going to disciple you, and, and, and God, Father God is going to disciple you. But if you're not in community with the church, you're not getting the heart and the touch. You're not getting the affection of Jesus with skin on. You're going to get wonky and weird and never really step into whole purpose. That's just the honest truth. Discipleship is part of it. So... I'm going to break this down. First, in order to do this, what is a disciple? What is a disciple? If you have notepads, I want you to, to, to take notes because we got we to gotta know what the target is because people think 
discipleship's this and that and all these other things, and here's what a disciple is. If you want to know how to do something the way Jesus wanted you to do it, go see what Jesus did. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is perfect uh, word being acted out on earth, okay? So John 15, starting at verse 3, says this. Got it for me, boys? John 15, 3. There we go. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Catch that. It's the message of Jesus that cleans you. Just want to add that, okay? So we're not talking about salvation here. We're talking about growth. You're already clean because of the word of God. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, boy, he's using that word abides a lot. That means to remain, to be in the presence. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and the only thing they're good for is they're gathered up, thrown into a fire. They're kindling. That's all they're good for, and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Check this out. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. A disciple is someone who abides in Jesus, who remains in Jesus, who pivots their life out of the worldview they were raised in, the political party they started at, pivots their life out of their family dysfunction and says, instead of abiding in these places where I grew up and I felt comfortable and I'm used to, I, you know, I've got to shift and I've got to learn to abide in Jesus, be remain in Jesus, stay close to Jesus. And our job, how do we make disciples? We are training people how to abide in Jesus. It's that simple. It's that all other offshoots have got to point right back to the big river, which is abiding in Jesus. We are here to teach people to abide in Jesus. That's what a disciple is. So to make disciples, we need to teach people to abide in Jesus. There must be a process. There is, and it's called discipleship. In order to disciple people, you must first be discipled. By the way, the title of my message, because this is a perfect point to bring it up, is No Shortcuts. No Shortcuts. If you've never, I'm going to show you how to be discipled in the heart posture and everything. I'm going to talk about that. But if you've never done that, don't try to fast forward and be like, I'm going to disciple people. Let yourself be discipled. That's why we have DNA and connect groups. Listen, we have amazing people in our church. Like we got, we got like a high school superstar on our high team, okay? Like, like we're, we're not trying to get you on a team because we need something from you. We're trying to get something yeah. to yeah. you. Yeah. To you. We're not trying to get you in a connect group because, oh, we need another body in a house already filled with people. No, no, no. We're not trying to get something from you. We want to get something to you. Why is he talking about teams with discipleship? Glad you asked. In order to be discipled, you first have to be, develop the heart pass, posture of a servant. Of a servant. Check out this same chapter, John 15, 15. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible, if I was honest with you. 
Jesus said to his disciples, no longer do I call you servant, for a servant does not know his master's doing. In order to tell his disciples, point blank, no longer do I call you a servant, that would mean that at some point he was like, I'm calling you a servant. Right? I mean, isn't that logical? That would be a weird thing to say to somebody. Like, you meet a stranger, like, no longer do I call you servant. We're now friends. That's not a good introduction. And it, does, it doesn't go a long way. This made sense to the disciples. They were like, what? What? We, we, there's, there's a graduation? We were good just serving you, Jesus. Like, this has been awesome. People have been, like, raised from the dead. Lepers are getting healed. Like, this has been really cool. He says, no longer do I call you servant. It meant they had to start at a servant. Jesus invited them to serve with him. Serve him and serve with him. And that is the posture. So I talked about that young man who's now in Europe and flourishing and doing this great life. He doesn't live there. He's just on vacation and all that. But the reason I was able to go there with him because he had the posture. He got saved and he said, what do you do next? An internship? I'm going to serve a lot? Done. Let's go. And, and that, that heart posture, when you get a heart posture of a servant, when you get a heart posture of a servant, you now are able to be discipled. So don't go around complaining, oh, nobody's discipling me. You know, like, I just wish I had somebody who would disciple me if you're not serving somewhere. Don't get me wrong, like, you're, you might be, I, I came here two weeks ago. I'm not, listen, this is a meat message, okay? We're, just, we're glad you're here, and we're just partner with you. We love you, but we do want, if you're a baby Christian, we want to get you out of diapers. We want to get you to where you can dress yourself. We want to get you to wear. And it's okay to be a beginner. And that has nothing to do with age, by the way. Has to do with when did you become a servant? Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. You want to abide in Jesus, first you've got to adopt his posture. He didn't walk into the room and said, who's going to glorify me today? Come on. You want a miracle? Let's see some praise. No, no, no. No, often his miracles were people that were kind of annoying him. He's like trying to train his disciples, and they're like, Jesus, I mean, they keep yelling. He's like, all right, hold on. I love you. Boom, fix this. But he's, he's over here trying to get the disciples ready to grow the church. Okay, so we have to have a posture of serving. So let me start here. If you want to be discipled, you, have, you get a heart posture of serving. Now, when you're picking people to pour into you, do not allow somebody who doesn't serve to speak into you. Doesn't mean they don't have a gift. I know lots of gifted people. They can give you a prophetic word. Accurate. Because God gives gifts, and he gives them without taking back. So he can give somebody a gift, but God's not impressed with gifts. You're like, Jesus, look at my gift. He's like, yeah, cool, I gave it to you. I love it. But that's it. That's as far as it goes. Don't get discipleship on gift. So if it's not on gift, where do I go to get disciple? You want to look for someone who has a servant's heart. We'll say, well, I'm new. I don't even know if they serve on a team. Well, you can find out. And I'll tell you right now, if you get on a team, that leader of that team has been gone through processing, has been raised up, and it doesn't mean they're perfect, but it does mean that we, they carry the heart of the house. So one, that's a number one. I, people want to try to talk into me, but I don't see a servant heart. I don't see you serving the house of God. Sorry, not... I. 
You might have good advice, but I'm going to definitely be letting people pour into me that I see fruit. Now, here's some fruit to look for. We want to look for people that have been discipled, that have character. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 11 does a beautiful job of explaining some characteristics that you do look for. So you don't look for gift, but you want to look for character. Check this out. It is a trustworthy saying, if someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable thing. So it's good. It's good to want to be discipled so that you can disciple others. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach, must be faithful to his wife, must be exercise self-control, live wisely, have a good reputation, must enjoy having guests in their home, hospitable, must be able to teach, must not be heavy, a heavy drinker or be violent, must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. Must manage his home, his own family well, having children who respect and obey. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? I told you it was going to be a meaty message, okay? By the way, let's not get legalistic. Some of us are undoing our, our before Jesus days, right? So we, 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 we gauge all fruit. And so I've met amazing parents that their kids are in the journey and have their teenage years. You know, I, I hope you wouldn't judge my parents on my teenage years, especially like 18 and 19. That was like, gosh, that would be. Anyways, so <laughs> you hear what I'm saying, but as an overall, are we seeing the character fruit? A church leader must not be a new believer because that might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. That's, that's important. It's totally awesome to be a new believer, but don't go to somebody who has just also become a new believer and be like, this is my only voice that speaks into me. Because you guys will feed each other's energy and excitement, but you also might feed each other's dysfunctions. Because like spirits attract. If you're offended, I promise you, you will find the one or two people in this room who are also offended. Like spirits attract. Anyways. <laughs> this one's it. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him. So they will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. You know, I love Pastor Vince and Pastor Becca. I think they're amazing at loving people, deciding people. But Vince as a realtor has a lot of street cred. Pastor Vince, he's not just like, oh, everyone loves Pastor Vince in church, but he's a knucklehead holding a sign out on an intersection saying, you're going to burn in hell outside of church. No, no, no. He, people work with him, love him, refer him, and they're not in the church. In the same way, deacons, so this is another level down, but still leaders. Deacons must be well-respected, have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith, like chasing God. It's cool. I, I see like a brand new converted Christian and the energy. I love it, man. I love like, I love new Christians, man. I just love the rawness. I love the like praying with a cuss word accidentally sleeping. I love all that. But I also freaking love, sorry, I said freaking. Now you see why I love them. <laughs> the, the Christian who's been a Christian for 40 years and still gets wet eyes when they talk about Jesus. I love that. 
They must be committed to a ministry of faith and revealed and must live with a clear conscience. Before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, this is important. This is where I'm going to end. If they pass the test, then let them serve as deacons. In this, oh yeah, in the same way, their wives must be respect or must be respected and must not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. But go back to verse ten. They must be closely examined. Really, part of discipleship, first you have a servant's heart, and you're going to serve around everyone, but, but you do want to have a, a good eye, be like, what fruit do I want? Right. What fruit do I want in my life? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, and I, I do this in people in our church. I have people in our church, I'm their pastor, but in, in areas of their life, I look at their fruit, and I'm like, man, I would love you. I go in and say, As a ser- like, how can I serve you so I can get around you so I can actually pick up what you've done in this area because you're awesome. You know, if I, if I want to talk about how to scale a business, I'm going to go try to buy Jason Porter a coffee and serve him a little bit so I can get around him so then I can hear how he talks about things. And maybe if, if, I, if he likes a coffee enough, I can even ask him a question. It'd be awesome, you know? <laughs> so it's the posture of a servant. So once you've found the right people and you have a posture of servant, what do you do? Write this down. This is going to help you. Find a way to be a blessing. You don't just have to serve the person, but serve the thing that they are doing. So you see a leader in this church and they run the high team and you're like, yeah, I really want to get in that person's world. Guess the best way to do it. Hey, could I serve on the high team? If If you are serving the same direction somebody else is serving... You're welcome, Porters. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I got you. <laughs> they run the high team over there. But if you see someone run the direction and you start serving not just them, but serving, but serving the thing, the mission that they're, they're attached to, you'll be amazed how you'll be invited into their world. So find a way to be a blessing. Seek not to receive, but to give. I promise you a good, healthy leader will pour way more out than you can give. But if you come like that, it's just, it draws your attention. Yeah, yeah. As, a, as, as a leader or a discipler, the people that I, I have to pick, like who can I, who do I want to invest and help grow? I, I want our whole church to grow. And I have amazing leaders in here that we all, this is a beautiful church with amazing people. But the people I see like serving their heart, I'm like, oh man, I want to spend time with them. Right, right, yeah. Seek not to receive, but to give. This is an important one. Don't try to impress. You will not get discipled if your mindset is, what do they want me to say? If you're this there to learn how to say the cool Christian tag words here at church so that people say you're awesome, but you're actually, you're here to, you're here to share your thoughts versus hear and ask questions from leaders, right? Don't, don't, Don't try to impress if you're being discipled. Come with an open heart. I'm not saying, like, don't care about anything. Like, you know, don't come to church in, like, your yard work clothes if you're serving on one of the teams. But, but what I'm saying is don't, don't have this bend towards, let me show you what I know. Yeah. 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 That's not a heart of discipleship. So and then the last thing, watch and learn. Right. Watch yeah. and learn. Yeah. Can I be honest? In, in Awaken, I am so blessed I have been around such epic leaders, yeah. Jurgen and Leanne and many others, 
But everything I've learned has been me deciding to serve and then watching them closely. My serving got me my proximity, and then my heart of wanting to learn got me my lesson. I honestly don't think in my 11 years of the church, I don't think I've ever asked Pastor Jurgen to have a coffee with me. I've had a lot of coffees with him. But I, have, like, I, I was just thankful because of my serving. I got in proximity, and I saw the fruit, and I, was, I just watched. I watched how he interacted with people. I watched. So that's the posture of being discipled. It all comes back to what Jesus said. Whoever wants to be greatest will become a servant. So now, phase two. You're, you're, you have that servant's posture. You've been getting some po- development. You're around people. And hear me out. It doesn't mean you can't have coffee with someone. But if you're always the sucker, if you're just the leech that doesn't actually do anything that ever, all the leaders are doing, they're busy doing stuff for the kingdom. And, and if you're just a sucker fish, who's like, can you just make me feel better? And you're, and you're not actually watching and processing and learning everything you can from, from your serving posture, that, that, that won't get you anywhere. Your heart's not right. And here's why you have to serve to be discipled. Because now we're going to go to how do you disciple? First, let's talk about heart, heart posture. What's the heart posture of a discipler? Are you ready? We said when, you, when you're trying to be discipled, you need to have the heart of a servant. When you're going to be a leader and you're going to disciple people, the most important thing you can have is your heart posture. And your heart posture has to be serving. See that? So good. That is. And you're like, well, where does that say in the Bible? I will show you. Let us listen. Luke 22, 26. By the way, whenever the disciples started talking about who's going to be the boss, who's going to be the head honcho, who's the best of all of us, Jesus always responded with one simple thing. Luke 22, 26. But among you... It'll be different. Those who are the greatest among you will take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. Maybe just another one. Just to let Jesus said it once, it should be good enough. But here, here we go. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. How do you truly disciple someone? How do you truly disciple someone? First, your heart posture has to be right. Posture has to be right. Yeah. You cannot disciple people if you are going to use them to get your task done. Oh, if you'll mow through people to get the mission done, I get it. Type A people, I get it. We like getting things done. But if your heart posture is people are expendable as long as the mission gets done, you're not going to be a good discipler. In fact, I would argue you need to go back to the beginning. You need to get back into serving. Discipleship cannot be disconnected from serving people. There are no shortcuts. If you do not choose to choo- choose to serve people, you're missing the mark. I know this is a meaty word, but I just want to help you because so many Christians have been Christians a long time and can't figure out why the whole like ministry and and like moving and growing and and changing lives like why am I not seeing the miracles yet? Because we got to go back to original Great Commission. We're here to serve. It's all we really can do. Everything else requires the power of God. So we serve. How do you do that? Let's go back to John. 
And I want to start at John 16. So we read 15. No longer do I call you servant. I call you friend. And then he says, here's why you're my friend. John 6, 15, 16. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he may give you. Next verse, 17. These things I command you, that you love one another. You have to, Jesus said, I chose to love you. You want to be a real discipler, you have to choose to love people. And in micro doses, when you have that posture, you're just going to be like a leaky, like you're just this leaky pot that's just putting love and choosing people all over the place. Like people get around you, I promise you, you'll see promotions and work, you'll see your life transform, you'll see a happier spouse, you'll see better kids. Because when you have that posture, it's, it's, you're working from the overflow. Everyone is blessed when they're around you. Man, you ever meet a person, you're like are they Jesus with skin on or are they an angel? Like, they just made me feel so alive and believed in and loved. It's the overflow. So you'll always be like that, but then you can choose to harness that. Everyone that met Jesus when he was walking the earth recognized this is powerful, but 12 got the focused focused, and we want to focus in. Christian, we need to have people. You need a Timothy in your world. You need somebody not as far along that you are choosing to serve and love and build up. That's how you disciple. And there's no shortcuts. You're not actually discipling someone if you don't first have the heart of a servant and a love for them. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, first, Ephesians 1.5 says this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. We're family, man. Like, you, you know, family, it's different, right? Like, they can do, be knuckleheads, but at the end of the day, if it's healthy, you're like, we're still family. Like you, and that's how people that are being discipled by you should feel. Like, even if I fail my leader, my person discipling me, like, I can't get out of their world. I'll tell you, people that have been discipled by me in the past will tell you the only way you could get me to undisciple you once I decided to disciple you is you had to tell me to stop. Jesus said, I'll leave the 99 for the one. Do you have a couple ones in your world that don't, that have the right heart posture, but, but that you're willing to say, mission aside, I'm not letting them get abandoned. People feel it when you have that for them. And you'll be amazed. All the walls, all the walls. They'll tell you the most gnarly things. They wouldn't tell anyone else because they're like, you're really for me. Greatest example in the Bible of this is the relationship between Jesus and Peter. If you're taking notes, I want you guys to write these down because I'm going to walk through Peter's life and I'm going to pull out a few things. You would say, I want to become a good discipler. These are some of the things you have to do. It's what Jesus did with Peter. It's funny to me, Peter didn't write a gospel. It's not the gospel of Peter. He wrote a book, but he didn't write the account of Jesus. Yet, in all the gospels, he seems to be one of the central figures. And if Jesus' mission was go and make disciples, and he made a one key disciple focused on him, I believe the process he did with Peter is the process we should model. And I promise you this isn't just a hypothetical. I have done these things with people. 
and I have seen the fruit. So here we go. Point number one, Jesus served Peter. When they first met, first thing he does, he allows Peter to serve him. Say, can I use your boat? And he says, yes, that I believe was the test. God's like, where's his heart? Okay. Doesn't know me, but seems to have a heart of generosity, seems to have a servant's heart. Then he immediately says, now take your boat out and go throw out your nets. And he catches the biggest catch of his life. So much so that it is a miracle. He knows it's a miracle. He falls on his knees and he realizes earlier he probably was cussing and he's like, Jesus, depart from me. I'm a sinner. I'm a sailor with a problem. You know, like I, I think he might have accidentally even then like, oh, you know, like, but, he, but Jesus says, the first thing he does, he served him, said, hey, here's, here's, I'm going to bless you. Next thing he does, he invited him. He invited him. Right? Family comes over for dinner. You invite people into your world. Jesus goes to Peter. He says, hey, no longer, if you'd like, you can come follow me. You're not going to be a fisher of men. You're going to be a fisher or a fisher of fish. You're going to be a fisher of people. Come with me. He invited him. Can't disciple people if you don't invite them into your world. If you're from afar and you never share your stuff and your, you, know, you never reach down to them and, and are willing to share like, yeah, when I was your age, I did that too. Oh man, you use your testimony. You're not actually being vulnerable. You've got to invite them into your world. You have to, next one, you have to encourage them. Bible's so big on encouragement. That's why if I can get around you, I'm a, I'm, I'm a gold digger. Okay? Not, my wife's not, wasn't like rich when we got married. That's not the kind of gold digger I'm talking about. I'm a gold digger. I'm a gold digger that I want to find the gold in you. Dirt's easy to find. Nobody values dirt because it's everywhere. We all got dirt. But I want to find the gold in you. Even if it's just a smile. Even if you've got a great smile. I'm going to be like, hey, smile at me again. I like that. We find the goal, we encourage. Yeah. Where did Jesus do this with Peter? He said, hey, your name's Simon. It's kind of not a great name. It means a reed blown around the wind. Like, it's not really, I don't see you as that. I don't see you as something that just goes with the flow. I think you're, you're a rock, man. I'm going to call you Peter. You're the rock. I'm telling you, if anyone named me the rock, I'd be down. Do you smell? You know what I mean? Like, like I, <laughs> Peter gets a new name change. Jesus, Jesus comes in and he, and, he, and he encourages him, changes his name. Then, right after that, this is early on. Peter made a, was going to make a lot of mistakes. He believed in him. He said, and on this rock, I'm going to build a church. He had to be at that point like, what's a church? Like, 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 like this was early. But Jesus established, thank you, Rich, you got it. <laughs> He was a fisherman sailor, guys. Like, you have to understand, he was, a, he was probably a rougher crowd guy. Fishermen weren't like, you know, the upper middle class Mercedes G-Wagon. Like, that wasn't his core group. Okay, he was rough. But Jesus believed in him. Now, I love this. It's perfect time for the music to kick in. A good discipler, Jesus warned him. Now we're getting into the, towards the end here. Notice Jesus started with encouragement, belief, right? Really, really served him a lot. And then we're getting towards the end of Jesus's life and he's talking about how he's gonna go to the cross and Peter's pride rises up. 
says, even if they all, Jesus tells them, hey, you're all going to bail on me. It's okay. I still love you. And I'll be back. But Peter has the audacity and maybe some pride and says, not me, Jesus. Ride or die, baby. We're going down. You go down, I go down. And because Jesus loves Peter, he warns me, says, Peter, Jesus, or Satan, has actually asked to sift you. But I pray for you. But I want you to know, this pride thing, keep going down this road, here's what you're going to find out. You're going to deny me. You're going to deny me three times. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. You're not going to like it. He warns him. See, discipleship isn't just, let me have a tough, let me grab you by the neck and just punch you till you're a good Christian. Because you've got to be a good Christian. No, your anger level should rise. Your frustration level should only rise with the amount of warning that's attached. If this is going to destroy their life, they can see passion, but not anger towards them for being in that place, not judgment towards them for being in that place, but a passionate warning. Please don't do this. Please stop doing that. It's crushing you. It's killing you. It's not the way God built you. Jesus wasn't judging. He was trying to tell them all, hey, you're not, you don't got it yet. You're going to fail. But Peter, that pride rose up and Jesus warned him, don't, no, 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 don't do that. So discipleship warns people. Then it also covers them. Look at like in between this whole thing, Jesus warns them, hey man, you're not going to do what you said you do because you got to fix this thing. And then right in the middle of God saving the entire world, he's like, here we go. This now begins the journey to the cross. I'll save everybody. And then he hears this, ah, quack. And he looks over, he's like, Peter, you chopped the guy's ear off? <laughs> Hold on, guys. Come here. Fix the ear. He didn't fix the ear for the soldier. He fixed the ear for Peter. He didn't need Peter going to get crucified for a crime while he was going to go do the heavy lifting. If you're going to disciple people, you got to be willing. One, to cover. You know, if one of my leaders does something that's maybe a little off or not on culture, the tightest circle possible that I need to talk to, and I, and I try to make sure we go directly. I don't, I don't, no one else needs to know. No one, we cover people here. We disciple, we talk about it, and we have pastoral care and connect group leader. We have systems of people that should be discipling you that might get involved only because they're there to help you clean up the mess. But we cover people, and we also clean up after people. I remember one time, I'm going to be intimate, I just had this thing that I felt like the devil kept reminding me this, mem- this mistake I'd made in the past when I was younger, and it's like it just would come up, and it would come up, and it would come up, and I just felt like, man, if I was to tell my pastor about it, maybe, maybe it's like that. And I remember when I was sitting down in the meeting, before I said anything, he could read in my eyes that I needed to just get something off my chest, and he said, hey, I want you to know that your family... And if you tell me right now that you killed somebody, the first thing we're going to do is find out how to hide the body, and then we'll deal with the rest. (laughs) No lie. And I, I mean, I don't know, but but that heart, I was like thinking, don't leaders want to like catch you? 
ah, I caught you. And this was way long ago, but just that posture. Hey, I'll hide the body with you first, and then we'll figure out why you did it. It's a joke, but it meant a lot. Finally, or not finally, but a couple more here. Jesus saw him. So after Peter denies Jesus three times, this is a beautiful story in the Bible. It says that once again, while Jesus' life is literally at its hardest moment, you want to talk about a servant's heart, he has got to keep his fortitude to go to this cross and die when at a, one, the Bible says all he had to do is snap his fingers and legions of angels could have interrupted it. He's got his focus, but he stops, ignores the trial, and he looks over at Peter. And did, what did he look at him with? I'm going to tell you what he looked at him with because God doesn't change. The same look he always gave Peter. You just failed. I love you. I believe in you. I'm going to come get you. Jesus warned him. It's not like Jesus ignores, but he always first comes in with, I'm here for you. Peter runs away. But Jesus saw him. Do, do your people feel seen? If you're leading somebody to something, do you, know, do you know what's going on in their world? Do you know what their go-tos are? Do you see them? Do you see their insecurities? Do you know why they're afraid to be vulnerable or why they're this or why? Have you seen them? Also, Jesus knew him. So we see people with the intention not of catching them, but to know them. To know what their past looked like. Church, I'm talking to you right now. There are leaders in this room that right now, you're not actually doing this for your team, and I want to help you. If you do this, you will have an army of people, and your teams will keep growing. Jesus knew him. He knew exactly where to find Peter when he screwed up. He goes, yep, Peter will be back at the beach where I found him. I know where he'll be. So what does he do? Before he even sees Peter, he makes a meal. He prep, he's like, I know where Peter goes when he gets kicked in the teeth. Do you know where the people you're discipling go when they get kicked in the teeth? Could you intercept them on the way? Meet them at their favorite bar when they used to not be a Christian and say, hey, I thought you might be here. It's, come on, come with me. Do we know people? And finally, Jesus restored Peter. This is important. As we disciple people, by definition, just like a kid learns to walk, one of the prerequisites that is they will fall and trip. Are we there to pick people up and restore them? Sometimes that does look like, hey, I need to just put you on the bench for a minute because the pressure of serving right now, you know, let let your leader, but ultimately is your goal restoration of the person or restoration of your reputation? Where's your cutoff point? How much misery can someone your disciple put you through before your reputation becomes more important than that person? And then ask yourself, how much has Jesus cared about his reputation when he chose you? He restored him. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. This is our call. Church, we need to be a disciple-making church. If we love people like Jesus... And we have the courage to speak truth and love. We will change the world.
and we will change this city. This was the Great Commission. Can you give you guys four extra credit what isn't discipleship real quick? Yes. Really fast, take notes on this. One, because everyone wants to change the world, but nobody wants to love their neighbor. Everyone wants to change the world, nobody wants to love their neighbor. First, inspiring people is not discipleship. Don't get me wrong. Inspiration's good. People should look at your life as you've been walking with Jesus and your, your character and your marriage and your businesses and all the things in your life are beginning to, they will inspire people and inspiration's fine. It's great. That shows maybe some fruit. But if you think that, well, a lot of people want to look up to me, I'm a disciple or you're not because you're not serving them. Okay, so just inspiring people is not deception. It's not a bad thing. It's not deception. Tough conversations aren't just discipleship. I've heard people say like, yeah, man, I tell people how it is. I'll walk up to anyone in the church and I'll be like, the Bible says, that's what they hear. Because you don't love them. You don't know them. You don't care about them. They don't hear anything, but blah, 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 yeah. And you seem like an ornery mean person. So does tough conversations, are there warnings in tough conversations? Of course. But if you're just doing that, you're not discipling. Empathy is not discipleship. Let's go to the other side. Oh, I have coffee with five or six people every week, and they just cry on my shoulder, and I cry with them. They're a victim, and I say I understand, and I agree. Empathy is important. You have to be empathetic. You have to be willing to get down on someone's level and look them in the eye and say, hey, I know why you're here right now. I get it. I'm not judging you. But come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. It's okay if somebody's going through something and you're going through the exact same thing and you have like zero capacity to lead them out of it because you feel like you're getting your teeth kicked in, you can actually be serve somebody and say, hey, listen, I've told this before, like, I, I can't have this conversation with you because I'm still wounded in this area and we're just gonna feed each other. I've had that before. When I was going through something and someone's going through something, I'm like, ooh, if we talk, we're gonna just feed that victim mindset. Ooh, it's gonna get big. So empathy is important, but it's not discipleship. And finally, Task is not discipleship. Having people serve alongside you is a key, and I mean, you have to. That has to be a part of the mix. But if all you're doing is telling people what to do, right. and all you're doing is sending out text messages, hey, you're rostered today, you're not discipling people. Maybe your team is, you know, maybe, maybe you are responsible for the coordination, but, but we should always be, our foot should never be out of the discipleship boat. Yes. Never get out of the discipleship boat. Either you are being discipled or you're discipling. And the most healthy people always are both. I am being discipled while I'm discipling. Come on, let's stand to our feet. That's it. No dramatic ending or anything. That was the message. I told you it would be meaty. But I don't want to see Christians not get to have the fullness of what God had for them. Come on, if you just want to say to God this morning, God, I want to get back focused on discipleship. Whether that means you need to get in the pathway of being discipled or you need to 
recalibrate your leadership and start discipling people. If you just want an impartation of getting back to Jesus and the heart of God, abiding in Jesus and being like Jesus and serving people, will you raise your hands here? I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, God. Thank you for these hands in the air. Thank you for these hands in the air, God. I pray for your power and your spirit. God, a fresh touch from you in your presence. It makes you want to be a servant. It makes people want to be. So God, we ask for a fresh touch from you, God, as we grow, as we get discipled, may we have a servant mindset. And as we disciple others, may we have a servant mindset. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.